I'm your host, Benjamin Gadan, on the Argentina Project podcast here at the Wilson Center's Latin American program. We are thrilled today to have Kezia McKegg from McClarty Associates. Kezia has just returned from Buenos Aires. She took a charter flight to escape that city, which, as you know, is on coronavirus lockdown. Kezia gives us her on-the-ground observations. She will talk to us about how she's servicing McClarty's clients in Buenos Aires in this difficult time, and also what the economic and political consequences are in Argentina of the very strict public health measures that have been put in place by Argentina's 100-day-old president. No, no, he's not a child president, but he is only 100 days in office, and he is navigating very difficult times. Kezia, you landed in Buenos Aires in early March. Everything at that point seemed pretty normal. I understand you took in some horse races. And then things changed literally overnight, right? As far as I can recall, it was March 19th at midnight. So that's what, dinner time in Buenos Aires when, you know, a full nationwide quarantine was imposed. What was that like? This is normally one of the most vibrant cities in the world. Correct. I landed on March 4. I actually was staying a block away from the Alviar Palace Hotel and stepped out the day I arrived to a big scene, a big crowd in front of the hotel that included the president uh, attending a lunch event with the business community. That Saturday, in what now feels like a fun de siècle moment, I was with a big group of good friends at the horse track in Palermo and from then on, actually, this group was in constant touch on WhatsApp because it was a bit of our last hurrah. The following week, I had a client in town from San Francisco. She made it in and out just in time because the day she left, March 11, it seemed like the world had started to shift. That was the night that President Trump gave his address in the Oval Office. The World Health Organization declared coronavirus a pandemic, and the Argentine government made its first aggressive move requiring a 14-day quarantine for visitors from at-risk countries, including the United States. At that point, I decided, even though I'd already been in the country for a week, that I would start doing essentially a retroactive quarantine. So started laying low. Um, but when I did go out for buying food, et cetera, I could see that already individual businesses were, were starting to close. Though life actually in, in comparing Life in Buenos Aires with other cities around the world, life in Buenos Aires seemed to continue more or less quite normally. But on March 15th, President Fernandez closed the borders entirely to non-residents. And so the commercial flights between the United States and Argentina, even though incoming flights were what were prohibited, not outgoing flights, of course, the U.S. airlines made the decision to suspend routes entirely. At that point, I'd made peace with riding this out in Buenos Aires for as long as it took. I was staying put. Then start, things started to change very rapidly, as you said. On March 18, everybody got wind of a rumor, widely reported in the press, starting that evening, that there would be a much more aggressive national quarantine or national lockdown. And that announcement did indeed happen on the evening of Thursday, March 19th. The expectation was that President Fernandez would actually give everybody about a day heads up. But because that was the start of a long weekend, holiday weekend in Argentina, the thought was by putting this decree into force immediately at midnight that Thursday that he could prevent people from getting in their cars and driving to the coast, for example. They didn't want any mass movements. Long distance buses and trains and all domestic flights had already been canceled for the long weekend. And 
once this announcement was made, literally we all had just a couple of hours. I had in fact had only 24 hours since my retroactive quarantine had ended. I had started then going to the grocery store, stocking up on Argentine wine, long lines at the stores. Unlike the United States, however, paper products were uh, still very much available. And starting March 20th, Buenos Aires, as you say, normally a cosmopolitan, very vibrant city, was all of a sudden a ghost town. I looked out from the balcony of the apartment I was staying in, in Recoleta. All you could see literally on the deserted streets was the occasional dog walker, police on every corner. Unlike what we've been experiencing in the United States and even in, in some of the European capitals that allow people to go out for a run or a walk. None of that was even allowed. Only trips to the grocery store and to the pharmacy. Of course, there are exempted workers in what are considered essential industries. I was working in my role as a consultant advising U.S. companies on government relations in Argentina, helping them figure out what industries were exempted. But on a personal level, this was a, a very severe, aggressive measure. And that meant that literally everybody's staying at home, Except for those essential errands, the city came to a halt, and that's where it remains. Of course, he's just announced as well that this lockdown will extend through April 13th. Kezia, the description of quarantine in Buenos Aires sounds, you know, slightly <laughs> romantic. Uh, you're stocking up on, on relatively inexpensive Argentine Malbec. You've got ample toilet paper, it sounds like. That is true. Um, I, I know, you know, Argentines have been expressing great support for the medical, you know, personnel applauding Absolutely. in the evening fr from their balconies. But but I'm curious about the reactions to the you know political decision making mm -hmm. that has gone on. As we record this conversation, the WHO has 820 confirmed cases registered in Argentina, 20 deaths. And, you know, the measures seem appropriate. That said, this is a very difficult economic moment in Argentina to be able to impose this sort of suffocating, um, you know, reduction in economic activity. And it comes at a time of great political divide, a brand new president in office, just about 100 days elected with less than 50 percent of the vote mm -hmm. late last year. So, so the question is, you know, what has been the reaction to these decisions by Argentina's new president, Alberto Fernandez? I'm glad you mentioned the nightly applause. I had meant to include that in the, my comments. It was my favorite moment of the day, these days of total isolation. But at 9 p.m., everybody coming out on their balconies for this moment of solidarity and applause for the health workers as they returned home. Because Argentina is so closely connected to countries that were very hard hit earlier, like Spain and Italy, the population on, a, on a, the whole was very, has been very supportive of Fernandez's approach, which of course contrasts with other countries in the region, particularly with its neighbor, Brazil. Fernandez has been consistently saying that if there's a choice between the economy and health, that he will always prioritize public health, that you can recover from a drop in GDP, but not from a death. Socially, at, le at least among my peers, incredible support for these measures. Uh, and in my experience, too, even just going to the grocery store, I was actually stopped by a police officer saying, are you, you live in the neighborhood? I said, yes. I was carrying my grocery tote bag and was asked, well, do you know there's a total quarantine? And I said, yes, I'm going to the grocery store. So I was permitted to continue. But you definitely felt this huge police presence that you could not get away with anything. And of course, a, a lot of people were arrested in the first weekend for not complying with the quarantine. 
But overall, my observations are, you know, at least walking around Recoleta, for example, that extreme adherence to these measures. Of course, the economic impact will be brutal. And in talking to a lot of people I respect, both in this government and the former administration and others in Buenos Aires, they are very concerned, particularly about the conurbano or the outskirts of Buenos Aires. And the government, in the measures that they've been enacting, while they have more limited fiscal scope, of course, than other countries, they've been targeting measures to help the the most vulnerable sectors. But of course, it's a huge concern. There's a feeling like Argentina can't catch a break. But on the other hand, Argentine culture, I think, is very used to crises. And perhaps in a way that we Americans aren't, but used to sort of this, you know, unpredictability and, and changes of plans. And a new crisis is not really a shock to anybody, even if the nature of this one is. Our concerns, and there is a certain amount of debate, like in other countries in the world, like in the United States, about economy versus health. At this point, my feeling is that the support for the government is is very strong at this point. The longer this continues, of course, the more difficult it will be it will become. But you're right. I mean, I think there, the calls for solidarity are clear. I mean, there was this famous photo that President Fernandez tweeted, "La vacuna mm-hmm. somos todos." It was this graffiti that says, "You know, we're all the vaccine." Uh, meaning, you know, the importance right. of, of honoring the quarantine. I think yeah. that message, you know, has been getting through despite, again, this spreading economic contagion. That, that's pretty brutal. Kizia, before I let you go, I want to know how you're in the United States right now. I'm back in Washington uh, after living for the first several days of total lockdown that even though I, I was in constant touch, like we all were with, with other friends writing this out in Buenos Aires, it was, of course, very isolating, but I was prepared to, to stay for the long haul. But I received on the morning of March 24th a message from a good friend at the U.S. Embassy saying that the embassy had managed to put together a charter flight, a repatriation flight for American citizens out of Buenos Aires that would depart uh, in just a, just a couple of days later. And I'll take this opportunity to give a shout out too to the entire U.S. Embassy team. They've obviously been working very, very hard in getting Americans home, like other embassies around the world. Uh, but I, once I learned about this, I actually thought, no, I'm not going to do that. But my family got wind of it, and you know, it was a tough choice, as you know. I am Washington's biggest Argentine file, and I have for some time now, split my life between Washington and Buenos Aires, and I'm very spoiled with freedom of movement between the two capitals. And all of a sudden, with short notice, because I also had to make a quick decision before the seats sold out on this flight, there was obviously a lot of demand for American tourists, whether I was going to stay in Buenos Aires or take this bird-in-the-hand opportunity to get back to Washington. And so it was was a tough existential moment. Where is my home (laughs) at this point? But at the end of the day, I decided it would be better to be close to family. My parents are in New York City, and just in case, uh, worried about them. And so I uh, took this repatriation flight, which was quite an adventure. They ended up changing the departure time, got to Seisa Airport at 6 a.m. last Friday, That was literally the only flight on the screen for both arrivals and departures that day. I was approached while in line for check-in, which, by the way, was enormous and took six hours for check-in manually without computers. Uh, No original seat assignments were forgotten. It was a, it was a bit of a disaster of organization. Um, but after after surviving this the six-hour check-in process, um, we made it to the gate and 
Boarding, of course, was quite chaotic. Uh, this was probably the oldest plane I've ever been on, operated by Eastern Airlines. I'm sure you've never heard of, but is an airline that went bankrupt in the 90s and recently relaunched as just a charter, charter operation. And, of course, we also arrived several hours late because of that extended check-in. And I, I then uh, finally made it back to Washington, exhausted, but in one piece last Saturday. So that is, that is my story of my emergency evacuation flight out of Argentina. Well, I've done probably 40 we will, flights uh, between the U.S. and Argentina, and this is the strangest one at, yet. <laughs> I, I would hope so. I hope none of them were, were remotely similar to that adventure. Kizia, we will, no. we will miss your on-the-ground observations, but we are happy, like your family I'm sure is, to have you back stateside. Hats off, of course, to the U.S. Embassy in Buenos Aires for its support for repatriating uh, American nationals like you. And and uh, yeah, welcome back. Thank you for being on the podcast, Kizia. Thank you so much.